Hi, this is Jonathan, and I play the human wizard, Jonathan the Magimuscular. Hi, I'm Jack. I play Trevancore, a half-elf Beastmaster Ranger. Hi, this is John. I play your half-orc barbarian, Carlton Tanks. Hi, this is Julia. I play the rock gnome cleric, Bernice Q. Burns. And I am Lauren, a.k.a. Obocrazy, your humble DM, and welcome to Dungeon Drunks. Distinguished adventurers last time on Dungeon Drunks. After two and a half days of freezing travel over the sea, our heroes have finally arrived at the Corinne Archipelago. They have just landed on a small island that they suspect housed a cult to Baphomet, who have recently stolen one of the legendary and powerful instruments of the bards. But as they disembark onto the rocky shore, all they see are boulders and sparse trees. And that is where we begin tonight. Welcome to Dungeon Drunks. I'm your DM Lauren, also known as Obo Crazy, and I have one of the last drinks that friend of the show, Carly and Nathan, brought at this point months ago to our, our fair apartment. I have a, a entry into the Cider War. I have the Wicked Cider Co. Baked Apple Spiced Hard Apple Cider. This will be a live tasting. Love that. There. Love that sound. Right? I know, right? You're not the only one doing live today. Ooh, yeah. That's dangerous. Oh, that is super dangerous. Okay, I'm gonna have to be careful with that. It is delicious. It's definitely full of apple. I, I highly recommend it. I, I also like this super jet black can. That's I'll get a picture of that for our Instagram. As someone who also likes the sound of opening of cans, Travancore, what are you drinking? Good people of Faerun. Travancore's choice this evening is the bounty of the modernization of Pennsylvania's uh, beer and liquor laws. For like, I got this at the Acme, the local supermarket uh, in, Pen- in Pennsylvania. What I have before you is the Einstock Olgerd Icelandic White Ale. And Ooh. it actually, they use some orange zest. And what was the other thing in here? Orange zest and coriander. So kind of up my alley there. And it's sort of reminiscent of the Walt Witch, strangely. And I, I've been enjoying it. I, I bought this, uh, I think, last week sometime. And uh, and I'm loving it. Cheers. 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 Bernie, what are you drinking? So I'm pretty boring tonight. I mean, not boring, but like I don't have any fun, cool, interesting. We got some red wine at the grocery store at the part of the store that actually sells booze and i don't know what kind of wine it is i know that it's red i know that it's in my glass it is currently like snowpocalypsing but i can make this really cool promise so if you are canadian you know the no name brand very well they are like the ultimate loblaws generic brand it is just a yellow box a yellow label a yellow like bottle a yellow anything and it says the name of the product so if you are buying pasta sauce it is or it is a jar of pasta sauce and the label is yellow and it says tomato sauce or something if you're buying spaghetti it is a bag with a yellow label that says spaghetti it is low cost it's cheap you can tell sometimes that it's cheaply made but (laughs) in general you can you know it's fine it's pretty iconic in canada and they made an announcement today that they are selling beer and is it gonna be a can that just says it is gonna be a can that just says beer it's gonna be a box that just says beer this so, is the best thing ever of all time. Also, if you are Canadian, uh, you will know that a certain 
I'm not going to get into politics because I can't vote here, but it does affect my life. A certain idiot that goes by the last name of Ford, uh, first name of Doug. Douglas ran on a platform of dollar beer because apparently he thinks that the government sets liquor prices. I don't know, but I'm going to say this. Some of you believed him. Some of you believed Mr. Douglas when he said beer would be a dollar and cool i okay and like i said we're not going to get into that but the long of the short of it is in order to launch their new very cheap beer they are fulfilling the promise of doug ford and this weekend and this weekend alone a six pack of no name beer will be six dollars but only for the weekend but only for the weekend i think it's ten dollars normally it's not gonna uh so this is my promise to you (laughs) i will buy a six pack of beer (laughs) of beer beer. branded beer but also we're in canada so it's french so it's beer and beer in beer beer i'll buy uh a six pack of beer and uh that's what i'll have next time on dungeon drunks i don't know if i look forward to you drinking it or really me just looking at the can. I, just, I think that's all I really care about. My God. Yeah, like. Yeah. It's going to be really bad. Probably, but it'll be funny bad. It'll be fun. Maybe I'll find for uh, Carlton, I'll find some some no-name soda. It'll just say like cola. <laughs> Speaking of Carlton. That's me. What are you drinking? So a friend of the show, Jason Ram, has been experimenting at home. Oh, dear. Yes. Well, oh, dear, oh, in a good dear. way. Uh, in recreating the Alamo Drafthouse ginger peach tea old-fashioned. So it is ginger peach iced tea old-fashioned that is completely non-alcoholic. So, life taste. Oh, it is in a mason jar because, you know, Austin. Yeah. No, I like the mason jar aesthetic. That's cool. Ooh. Ooh. Nice. Good job, Jason. Sh- shout out to Jason for... Because after months and months of Carlton having crap to drink, it's nice. It's very concentrated, but it's good. Nice. Well, and we finally come to Jonathan the Magimuscular. What are you drinking? Hey, this is Jonathan, and I play Jonathan the Magimuscular. And tonight, uh, I have another creation from a friend of the show. A friend of the show, Goober, has once again bestowed some smirkin' beard mead on me. Oh, I love that bottle. This is a special vintage, and I will take a picture for our social medias. This one is called Yugo's Foes, and Yugo is a character that he plays <laughs> in one of our in one of our D and D campaigns, and he is a lizard man barbarian who eats people. And but he's like, I I, I was talking with him, uh, talking about him uh, to our DM earlier, and I was like, he's just a really pure character. Like, yeah, he wanted to like hunt down and eat a small rich child but i mean he's not evil he just he is who is he hungry is. and so this is uh, uh the sweet taste of victory it's got raspberry blueberry and elderberry and uh live tasting here we go and it is uh a bit dry and uh it's not too sweet and it is quite good yeah nice. it's um it's very very drinkable i'm gonna have another sip because it's mm. awesome it's a nice big bottle, too. It Be is. careful with that. <laughs> uh, I've actually broken one of these before. I, met, I had another one of his meads in my fridge, and 
I was shifting stuff around. It shifted off and just broke all over my fridge floor. So I, uh, I meant to, it was a bottle I meant to return. And so I got him a couple more. This might be one of them. And tonight's shot of Fireball to be consumed at the first casting of Fireball or the equivalent spell thereof is going to be... Oh, but why don't you tell us about it? I've taken over the shot of Fireball because something cool happened to me the other day. So uh, to make a very long story very short, a lot of you know that I am one of the moderators for the Wizards of the Coast Twitch channel. And so when people see me on the Twitch channel, they usually know me from one of two things, either being a moderator or a performer on D&D shows, or they know me as the community manager of D&D Beyond. And many of you know that if you're a moderator for a channel, if you get a whisper from someone random, that's not always the best thing in the world. But I got a whisper the other day, just a couple days ago from this recording, from a wonderful person who goes by the handle Falcon Wolf, who asked if I was the DM for Dungeon Drunks. I said, well, yes, I am that crazy." And they relayed unto me how much they enjoyed the show and especially how much they enjoyed all of you and how they've really been enjoying Dungeon Drunks and they just wanted to say hi and that that they had a lot of fun listening to our show. So I am co-opting Jonathan's fireball shot to say at the first casting of fireball or equivalent spell thereof, Jonathan will be taking a shot for Falcon Wolf. Thanks for listening. Oh, thank, thank you. you. Can't see it. Thank you. I mean, you can't hear it, but I'm doing hand hearts right now. Yeah. Yeah. Silverbolt, Falcon Wolf is my new favorite Fusor. That's so <laughs> sweet. Aww. Okay. You have all landed on a relatively small island in the Corinne Archipelago that you have circled on your map as the possible location of this former dragon's lair now controlled by a cult to Baphomet. And as you pull your dinghy onto the rocky shore, as Bucks flies overhead in his new but not necessarily awesome seagull form, uh, I mean awesome for what you needed him for, but certainly not as cute as his owl form, uh, and you look around at the sparse landscape, what would you like to do? Jonathan the Magimuscular is just kind of like, He's up on like a little hill kind of doing this, you know, looking out and being like, huh, well, Jonathan the Magimuscular is rather surprised that no one's come to greet us. There's no obvious like temple. I would have expected like a statue or something. Oh, and Jonathan the Magimuscular, while he's doing this, he has his hands on his hips and he's flexing. As you flex and you survey, I would love you to make a perception check. Oh, and while wow. you're making that check, what are the rest of you doing? Bernie, I guess. So Bernie's wearing armor, right? Several of you are. I well, feel like... actually, you're the one. You're the only one in like armor, armor. Everybody else yeah. is in like fairly light armor. Oh yeah, mage armor. <laughs> uh, actually, <laughs> now that I think about it, the only two beings in your party who are wearing like heavy metal armor are you and Shadow. Bernie's gonna um do her best to prevent sand from getting in the cracks and crevices as it were. There's good news. This is like this a, a rocky pebbly shore. There's oh. really not a lot of sand. Oh. So oh, I mean it gets in everything. It gets yeah. everywhere. <laughs> and then she's gonna reach as she says that she's just gonna reach up and awkwardly uh stroke Carlton with one finger on his arm. <laughs> <laughs> I oh, saw no. this play. I was super excited for it and then I, disappointed. I, 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 I look down at Bernie and I go, okay. And I kind of like just push away. And she, and she's going to go, <laughs> I hate sand. 
Okay, okay, Bernie. Uh, it's overly critical. There, there's, but there's nothing here but sand. I'm surpassing it already. I can't do. I can't do it. Uh, and I want to, you know, voice Jonathan's back. looking like for civilization kind of stuff is what it sounded like to me. I'm gonna look for like cave formations, like something that's gonna like yeah be that we could use as like a refuge if we needed to, like if we can't get to our pocket house. Oh no, Bernie was thinking. Bernie, so Jonathan, are we you're nearby, right? You didn't just wander. Oh yeah, no, I didn't wander off. Um, I know you. So, I remember when we were in Schultz, and there was that dragon, that poisony dragon that had like lived and in the underground. Oh yeah, that place sucked. Yeah, but like, I don't. What if? What if there? We, this used to be a dragon's horde, right? Yeah, a white dragon, I think, right? Well, if the dragon's not there anymore, and the cult's there, if you were a cult and you kind of wanted to hide, would you bother building, like, building? Or would you just, you know, go into... I don't know anything about white dragons, but maybe Travancore does. Like, do dragons... Do those kinds of dragons make tunnels? Because if there's tunnels, then we wouldn't see them from above ground, and we probably shouldn't hide in any caves, because then they'd open up, and the goblins would come and get us, and then one of us would find a ring, and then it would be a like... A magic ring? That sounds that sounds amazing. I want nine that. Nine and a half hours, and, and about... You know, like, probably about six of those hours would be really great. And then there'd be, like, another six hours that would just be I mean, six hours of greatness in that play. Too expansive. And there'd be, like, three good scenes. Travancore, meanwhile, is standing off to the side, like, thinking about what he knows about dragons. <laughs> yeah. And I, I was actually going to instruct Shadow as well to sort of see what he smells aside from us if he picks up any scents. That's a good idea. Maybe I can make my, my dog... I mean, Bernie, I think that you're on. I think you're spot on. I think this is, that's why we came here is because the dragon lair would make a great base. I just thought maybe they would erect a statue or something. I don't know. Some clue. Yeah, I mean, I thought, but they could be watching us, you know? They could like, I always feel like somebody's watching me. Jonathan did his perception check. Carlton, since you're going to be looking for caves and stuff, I'd like you to do a nature check. Travancore, oh, uh, as I would like shadow to do a perception check with his smell okay. and i would like the three of you to roll with advantage because of of bernie's chat about what might be happening on this island oh, so can can my dog do a perception check oh no it was worse with doggy smell uh sure i'll say we'll we'll let we'll let uh coco snoot do a smell check coco so, snoot's got perception plus yeah so jonathan <laughs> what'd you get for your perception check i got a 14 and Carlton, what'd you get for your nature? So I had advantage, right? Yes. The first roll <gasps> was a natural one. The second, so that became a three. And then the second roll was a two. So that became a four. Excellent. And what was Shadow's smell check? 17. And what was, I see a, a grin. What was Coco Snoot's smell check? Coco Snoot got natural 20 plus. Everybody drink for Motherland. Yep. All right, so we'll start with Carlton. You see no caves. I didn't think so. I'm like, <laughs> wait, maybe Bernie was right about the sand, and I'm like brushing it off of myself. <laughs> she just looks at you in a way that's like, I know she's not interested in me, but she's trying to make me think she is, and that makes it worse. 
<laughs> so you're just totally distracted by the fact that you're on this rocky shore and Bernie's talking about sand and there's no sand, but you could swear there's sand. <laughs> you don't see any caves. Jonathan, with some of this information, you scan what is ahead of you. You don't see any signs of civilization or any caves, but between what you can currently see and what you remember from bucks flying over, the topography of this island is basically a, a big rocky outcropping leading up to the the island is kind of triangle shaped and the center of the island and then off towards the west there's a bluff with some sparse trees and soil that you can't quite see a hundred percent behind you and bucks are pretty sure that there's there's nothing of note there as far as a building there would be no way that any kind of structure could be hiding from you but remembering what Bernie said and remembering what Travancore talked about with dragons, yeah, there there might be a hidden cave somewhere. Dragons, especially older ones, like to hide their entrances, and even a long dead one, it might be still pretty well hidden. As for our two smell checks, Shadow does pick up humans, not you. Coco Snoot picks up humans and something something else. Something Something that almost smells... He's having a hard time figuring out what it is. He's n- he's never smelled this before, but it makes his hackles stand up. And so that's what you get, Bernie, is, is uh, Shadow smells the, the humans and then Coco Snoot kind of follows him. And then also there's there's something else nearby. You're not you're not sure. And so as as you're all kind of looking around and telling each other what what you're seeing and what you're experiencing... Travancore, yeah, you feel like you might actually be close to what you're what you're looking for. You just need to look a little closer. Coco Snoot. He kind of growls lowly under his under his throat. Is there a thing that is wrong? I mean, he can't communicate with you in this, but you can tell. Yeah, he's bothered by something. So this is going to sound unintuitive. But I think we should go towards the thing that makes you very uncomfortable. Are you going to mount Coco Snoot or you're going to unmount, stay unmounted for the moment? I'm going to mount Coco Snoot. Okay. What would you like to do? Let's follow the nose of the, the animals. Let's follow the follow their nose. Yeah, yeah. Let the serial uh, mascot voiced by Maurice Lamoche. <laughs> <laughs> Jonathan is going to kind of like summon Bucks to him and say, Bucks... Keep flying around, uh, stay within range, and if we do end up going in a cave, I want you to stay out of it. Uh, stay up here, looking like a seagull, and if anything happens, come after us. Or if anything comes up uh, your way, come down and let us know if we're out of range. Alright, he's gonna go back up and he'll circle over you at, you know, about 50-60 feet up, so he's still well within your range, and keep an eye out. So as... So you instruct... Coco Snoot, who is a very well-trained dog, and takes the lead and starts to lead you towards the center of this island. A five, ten minute walk into the center, over the rocks. It's kind of gray and it's very, very cold. There's fortunately no snow on this island right now, but you get the sense there's frost and you're just lucky to be here when there's no snow. As you approach the bluff, Jonathan, go ahead and have Bucks roll a perception check. Uh, that is going to be a 19. So as you move towards the center of this island, he's able to, because before when he scoped out the island, he kind of stayed to the side and was trying to act 
more like a, a natural seagull, but in this case now he's just being an actual lookout. He gets a very clear view of the other side of the island, doesn't see anything. It, it actually looks like it mirrors in a lot of ways where you landed. The same rocky shore, boulders, nothing nothing special. The trees in the center are sparse enough. It's a, it's a tiny, it's not even really a grove. It's maybe about a dozen trees. Most of them small. They look like they're barely eking out an existence on this island. Coco Snoot sniffing around and Shadow kind of helps too because it, it feels like wherever Coco Snoot is going that he's smelling whatever this thing is. The humans have taken the same path and follows it to to where this bluff is. It's about a seven, eight foot tall uh, mound of of earth. You'd have to kind of climb, clamber on top of it to get onto where this bit of soil is that these trees are clinging onto. You can see roots coming through. Coco Snoot stops and is just kind of wandering back and forth along this bluff and shadows the same way. The The smell kind of dissipates here, but the you all get the sense from, from the way they're moving and from the, just the terrain that, yeah, there might be something here. I want to look for a hidden door. Give me an investigation check. Investigation. I want to keep an eye out and ear out for... I get a sense that something's there. And if something's there, that means there might be people watching it. So I want to kind of keep a, keep an eye and ear out for anybody that might be trying to get the drop on us. Sure. That's a nine. Okay. You follow behind Coco Snoot and Shadow, and you don't see any obvious entrances into the into the ground as you're looking around um carlton roll a perception check since you're kind of keeping an, an eye out for people watching you uh that'll be an 18 you notice coco snoot and shadow are just kind of very slowly investigating the area bernie is following them really minutely investigating stuff uh, they're kind of wandering up the north side of this bluff and you notice Bernie kick one of these rocks just as she's walking and the rock goes ding ding and instead of smacking into the the bluff where this wall of sand is it just goes right through Bernie what was the properties of sand again uh, it gets everywhere it's coarse because it didn't go anywhere when you kicked the rock into it the rock just goes through it does that is that like normal no that's I don't not think that's normal, normal. that's an elite. Jonathan? Yo. Can you? I mean, I guess I could. Yeah, I guess I should. Bernie's gonna cast Detect Magic. Detect Magic. Okay. Right? No? Should we? What? Yeah. Clearly there's illusory magic here, right? Because I kicked a rock and it went through the sand and not in the way that you would think through the sand means, according to Carlton. So do we detect magic or do we want to dispel magic? Well, I don't know because it if it's illusory, it could also be like an alarm. And if we walk through it, even though we know it's an illusion, it could set something off. But a rock just went through it already, so it's already set. Right, but it might be set to go off if like something bigger than a rock goes through. Yeah, that's... So how about something big like a seagull? Because the idea is like you don't... If a rock goes through and an alarm goes off, you're running up for every little thing. But if a human... Yeah. Maybe a seagull would set, wouldn't set it off? I don't want to risk that. Especially if the alarm is a harmy alarm. Hmm. Oh, and Jonathan, do you have the, the thing that makes our brains talk to each other? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, one second. Uh, 
while Bernie is doing that, I'm gonna I'm gonna ritually cast a uh, Rary's telepathic bond. I think Bernie is going to uh, dispel some magic. Um, is there any way that Carlton could show her like where he thinks it is since she kind of missed it? Oh yeah, he can he can point right to where the rock went. Right here, and I draw. I like get right next to it, and I kind of draw a circle with my finger <laughs> without actually going into the sand. I think so that we can get an idea of this before any spell slots are used. I think Bernie's going to start picking up some pebbles and she's going to kind of try to basically toss them in a way that would kind of demarcate where the illusion is. Sure. It's going to take 10 minutes for Jonathan to ritually cast this thing. So you can definitely start doing that. What do the rest of you want to be doing while she's spending 10 minutes throwing pebbles? Uh, I'm probably going to stand by and guard her uh guard bernie so that if like the pebbles get thrown back in both a metaphorical and figurative sense that i'm there to protect her because like that's my job so you're bodyguarding bernie travancore how about you what you doing i think i want to sort of reverse into it where potential like natural like not hidden by magic traps would be or traps sort of man-made just based on what travancore would do given what he knows about the surroundings and the territory and what he would do and see what he what he comes up with okay i would like both bernie and travancore for separate reasons to roll investigation checks detective travancore investigates that's much better hmm. yeah we did pretty good not too shabby all right, let's start with Bernie. What'd you get? I got a 17. All right, and Travancore? 19. Okay. The three of you as a unit kind of work together. Carlton watching your back, Travancore checking for traps, Bernie throwing tiny little pebbles where she thinks this opening might be over the 10-minute span that Jonathan is taking to cast his, his ritual. And it takes the full 10 minutes because as you very quickly realize, this hole is massive. It's only like six feet tall, maybe just under where this bluff is, but it goes for at least 70, 80, 90 feet wide. It is practically the entire width of this bluff. And Travancore, while you find no traps, you don't find any obvious traps, you think for a moment about what the size of an ancient white dragon would be. And yeah, if it was to squish down, you would need something wide like this to get in. Are you looking for a D&D podcast that'll make you laugh? How about one that'll make you cry? Sweat profusely with stress and anxiety because of a flippin' mule? Taking Initiative is a Dungeons & Dragons 5e actual play podcast with an audio drama feel. These episodes are scored, character-driven, and filled with utter bullshit. Mostly because of Nick, let's be honest. Featuring special guests, the Venture Maidens, D&D is for Nerds, and more. Plus, we're in Wizards of the Coast podcast of series. Welcome, everyone. It's your pal, Ray Ray. That was an interesting time you had, Nick. I pat the horse on the rump. Thank you, great-grandfather. <laughs> <laughs> he just said his hopes and dreams. He didn't cast a spell. You gotta get down deep and lift from the knees. So that's the only big organ he has. <laughs> Damn. Taking initiative. Look us up on Twitter at TI underscore pod and on our website, takinginitiativepodcast.com. We here at Dungeon Drunks are huge fans of Idle Champions of the Forgotten Realms. 
It's an official free-to-play Dungeons & Dragons-based clicker game available on Steam, Xbox One, and PlayStation 4. I usually have the game running in the background while I edit audio for this podcast. It is so much fun to put together a formation that includes champions from Companions of the Hall, Dice Camera Action, C-Team, Force Grey, and even more. It's always exciting to open chests to see what new gear my champions have. And speaking of chests... Thanks to the fine folks who made Idle Champions, we're fortunate enough to be able to offer a free gold chest for the Steam version of the game to all of our listeners. Now this code expires on February 24th, 2019 at 8pm Pacific, so you only have a week to redeem it once this episode is posted. Open up your game, go to the shop, and type in this code. E-A-R-N-M-E-N-T-U-G- L-Y-A-R-T-I. So use that code, and then let us know on Twitter or Instagram what goodies you got. And now, enough of the loot drops. Back to the show. Jonathan, so as this is happening, your three companions demarcate where this hole is, and it's massive. Uh, You still can't see through it, but by throwing the rocks, you can tell where it is. Jonathan finishes casting his spell and... And um, everyone gets pop-ups to accept a, uh, a telepathic bond call. And I'm going to also include... Let's include the animals. All of them. All three of them. So all of us uh, are in the call. Oh, oh ah, yeah, this is most... Most... Uh, oh, this is distracting. Oh, I, I, my beak is so long. Oh, oh. And... Oh, oh, are there fish nearby? Ooh, better, maybe crabs. Ooh. Better, you know you smell different. I, 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 I know, uh, I know, Baron Mulcocosnoot, it is most distressing. Ugh, before Bird. my noble owl form. Cocosnoot, great job on the smelling earlier. You smell like a rat in, in seawater. Oh, oh dear, I don't, I don't, I, I don't want to smell. Ooh. Also oh, no. vomit. You, <laughs> a seagull, you see, freezes. <laughs> <laughs> The Baron is right. You do smell like those things. You see a seagull turn around and start pap, 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 slowly passing away. But it is okay because you are still my friend. Is is not bad that you smell like vomit. Sometimes when the bear vomits, I eat it because it tastes good and has parts of the thing he ate. He does. He eats food too fast, and then I eat the vomit. It's very good. One time. And I do not tell Bernie one time when I was younger, dog, when all potato had gone. Another dog shat in yard. It looked like potato. I ate it and tasted same. <laughs> and Bernie knows now. <laughs> <laughs> all right. You all have this lovely moment <laughs> where you reconnect with your animals. and I'm remember a that- hard week. Okay. No, I love this. I love this because this is a reminder that your animal companions are distinct and remarkable as far as as animal companions are. But in the end, they're a dog and a bear. (laughs) And a bird. And and a bird. No, the bird is a celestial. These are an actual dog and a bear. Your bird is is a higher being from another plane who is stuck in a rat sea vomit body right now. (laughs) This is accurate. Yeah. (laughs) And has enough... You're like the Frasier to our, I don't know, um, What's the, the bulldog guy name? and Roz, or if yeah. you want to go back even further, Sam and Diane. <laughs> no, Diane's too honey toity Sam and maybe Carla. There you go. Sam and Cliff. 
All right, you have this moment. (laughs) (laughs) Cheers, everybody. No, both the show and cheers, everybody. Cheers. Everybody knows your name. There you go. All right, what what would the group of you like to do? I will assume that um, the next thing you do is is Bernie then relays what... Bernie, Travancore, and Carlton have relayed the entrance to this place that you have demarcated. Yep. You like you lick me with that mouth. <laughs> Jonathan the Metromuscular regrets the uh the frank conversation that has happened. Um, oh dear. I'm gonna uh so here's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking we might need to be quiet actually from here on out. That's oh, that's probably I good. Got, I got just the thing for that. Uh, so that was a good call with the the brain call. That was a good call. I cast Pass Without Trace on myself, and it'll affect everyone within 30 feet. Nice. Uh, as we're doing this, Jonathan the Magimuscular is going to go up to uh, Coco Snoot and start start giving him scritches. But yeah, choose a good, choose a good bear, yes. Coco yes. Snoot. Yes. A good. Yes. And as Left he's doing ear. that, he Left casts Prestidigitation on, on the mouth. Left ear. <laughs> Left ear. Left ear. Okay, stop. there we go. Why you there stop? You Don't stop. Don't stop. Uh, Never, never stop. All right, you feel you feel more stealthy and more clean. <laughs> <laughs> this happened years ago. Like the precipitation is going to do anything right now. He's just making himself and probably Bernie feel better. Sometimes that's all that matters. Jonathan, so here, I'm uh, looking for a capital S spellcaster professional opinion. Jonathan the Magic Muscular available. Dispel magic. Yes, him. If I gave it a little extra oomph, I could guarantee that this goes away. But in your professional opinion, does it need that extra oomph? This is my way of saying I could cast this at a level four and basically guarantee that the spell is going to go away. Or I could cast it as is as a level three and kind of like take my chances, uh, which is... I will say, Bernie, you think it will go away if you think you know what spell this is, but... Can Jonathan the Magimuscular uh, make an Arcana check to see if he can figure that out? Give her an idea? Give her, give her like, a vague power level. Like, does she need, does she need, to, does she need to hit it with the uh, Divine Spice Weasel? Or is it uh, bammed up on, on ready, like, by default? I'm sorry, did you just say... Di- let's, let's not gloss over this. You said Divine Spice Weasel. I did. That's a Futurama reference. So, a bit of a tangent. In my new module that I'm writing, there's the Hander, uh, Heward's Handy Spice Sack. I flavored it as a Spice Weasel because you find it in a Hag's Lair. No. <laughs> so is it like... It's like one of those, like, you know, when people used to wear fox furs, but it was like the whole fox. Yeah, so yeah. it's a whole weasel, and you have to squeeze it and go bam. And it's like a bag, but it's like a whole weasel. Jonathan, I'll say yes. Give me an Arcana check. All right, here we go. Oh, this is going to be like really this. good. This was good, because I don't have any pluses to Arcana, but I was like, Jonathan will make a great Arcana check. 28. Okay. Jonathan Jonathan knows if they accidentally burped while they made this spell. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll see. Do you have... Any illusions in your current spell book? In my, oh, in my spell book. Yes. Do you know of any, like, do you know any spells that are illusion spells? That is an excellent question. It is. Sometimes I do that. Let me see here. (laughs) This is the one. (laughs) That's it. Rest of this game, crap. (laughs) Yeah, that's it. Like, all of your questions so far have been ones that I'm just like, why is she even asking? I'm just kidding. 
No, no, no. Yes, kidding. actually, and I believe I might have it even prepped. He knows greater invisibility. Okay, but that is that the only illusion spell you know? It looks like, yes. Okay, so with your role, you are academically aware of illusion spells in general. You know that, the, obviously, there's several flavors of them, and the larger the illusion that it's created, usually the better the spell, or maybe the higher the spell level that has been cast at. And so you think because of the size of this, that this might be a pretty powerful spell, because you don't currently have any other illusion spells in your arsenal, I'm going to say you don't know exactly what spell this is. Okay. But you, with that role, you're pretty positive this is... This is either really powerful magic or a pretty good spell cast at a pretty good level. Yeah, Bernie, Jonathan the Magimuscular feels like this is a pretty, this is pretty boss magic. This is, uh, illusions aren't exactly my forte, I just blow stuff up. Uh, But I would say if you can spare the higher level spell, if you really do want to get rid of it, that would be what you want to do. Did Jonathan the Magimuscular kind of intuit any other spells in the area? Like, I guess he wouldn't have kicked off a Detect Magic, so probably not. Uh, if you haven't cast Detect Magic, then no, I'm going to say that Arcana Check was was solely to intuit what's going on with this illusion. I will say, while you don't know for sure what's on the other side, you're pretty sure it is just an illusion. You could just walk through it. Okay. So it's up to you whether you want to dispel it or not, or if you want to... What do you want to do from here? Uh, I'd say that's up to uh, up to the lady who has the uh, dispel magic gun. Honestly, I don't like guys. I don't like the idea of going in blind. You know, we could walk through this illusion and the illusion dissipates, and we're just on the other side, like like a set in a play when it's propped up, and you walk through the fake door, and you're not in the room anymore. You're backstage. Or we go in and the illusion persists and we fall in a really big hole because we miss the stairs. Or into a gelatinous cube or something. Or into a dragon. So this is an yeah. actual hole in the ground? This isn't like a hole in the ca- in a cave? I, I pictured it as like we're like up on a mountaintop and like mound builders. Well, no, what, I, what I'm saying is that the illusion is like... Is the illusion... Vertical or is the illusion horizontal? Because I was throwing stones, so I guess... It seems to be mostly vertical, because so you're standing in front of this bluff, which is about seven and a half feet tall, when you literally see kind of on the edge of usually sandy shores, there's literally like a little hill, but it might be a, a pretty steep hill that's only seven or eight feet tall, that that's where the, the actual soil begins. This is what you're seeing. It's just the the vast majority of where you're standing for about 10 feet on either side is, is this huge illusion that is mostly vertical because it doesn't seem to involve the ground. It's as if, Bernie, from your throwing stones, you think you could just walk forward into the hill as though there was no hill there. But it is a, a very vertical piece of soil, it looks like. But you don't know what's on the other side. Jonathan the Magimuscular has a notion. If it is a pit, Jonathan the Magimuscular has ways to deal with falling. That's I'm true. not going to fall to my death. And if I have ways to extract me from the situation if I need to. Uh, so 
Jonathan the Metromuscular volunteers to be the, uh, to go through the illusion. I think I should just dispel the magic, honestly. Okay. Because remember, the other option is there's something there. Wait, Jonathan, can you do the falling thing on me as well? Because, like, it would be better if I went down. Because if, if you go down and there's something that swings and bites and hits hard, that doesn't bode well for you. I could deal with it. I... But some of my stuff for falling can affect you, but I'd have to do it when we fall. Hmm. Yeah, I I think I'll just cast a spell magic. Okay. okay. I'm no Jenkins. Okay, what level are you casting it at? Fourth level. Okay, I need you to roll. So you're going to make an ability check. The DC is good. So it's It says when you cast a spell using spell slot of fourth level or higher, you automatically end the effects of a spell on target unless... Unless it's higher than fourth level. Uh, or less than the level of spell slot you use. Yep. Okay, so, so I make the ability check. to roll. Yep. So this is going to be your um, a d20 plus your spellcasting ability modifier. It should be pretty good. Spellcasting ability modifier is wisdom. So it's a plus five to my roll. Do I add my proficiency bonus? Not to this. Not to this, no. That's a 24. Ooh, nice. Nice. Yeah, you cast it and for a moment... Nothing happens. It's a 14th and level you, spell. <laughs> and then it dissipates. Ah. And Bernie, you know in that moment this was a ninth level spell you just dispelled on. As it That's dissipates. That's the second time she's done that. Well, it's a good thing her modifier is really good. So as you dispel this magic, you can now all see this massive hole that's opened up before you. It's rough, and it looks like there's bits and pieces of the soil that have fallen away over who knows how long this thing has been but now there is a very distinct cavern leading deep into this bluff and it curves down and to the left so within about 20 30 feet it goes into darkness and curves out of sight um um guys so i don't i don't know how it works when all of our brains are connected and if you felt that this is gonna be some shit. Yeah. That's, this? wow, okay. Yeah. I've been doing a little rough math in, in my brain, and I'm not quite sure how all the calculations shake out right now, but um, I hope everybody wore clean underwear. Uh, Carlton takes about two steps back, or no, probably about ten steps back, and then starts booking it for the edge. Of the hole? To, yeah, to dive down. Dive? Well, it doesn't go. It doesn't through. go straight down. It it angles down. Uh, as okay, going. I think I was picturing it different in my head. Like when you said bluff, I think I was thinking more of like a cliff, and it went over, and then like there's a hole down on the other end of a cliff. Oh no no no! So this is as if part of the bluff that is in front oh, of you part of the bluff itself has just disappeared and turned gotcha. into a hole. And what you so see it's not off of the bluff, it is the in bluff. the bluff. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Because I was like, literally just going to dive over the edge of the cliff. Which would have meant you jumping up and over it. And it wouldn't have been that big of a deal, but it would have been very... that That's me doing a bad job. See, I said I had the one good question. So yeah, you can you can walk forward as far as you can yeah, see. I'm it's, just going to start walking. Okay. You walk into the hole. At, at about 30 feet later, the the dirt and the rocks kind of give way to more solid rock. And the actual this large cavern this large wide cavern angles around to the left but it is pitch black so all you have is your dark vision 
and you and can't you goggles. Re- yeah, but once again, it only goes so far, and you can only see black and white. Uh, but uh, you yeah, watch when, I get, when I get in there it. and I see it's pitch black, I'm like, Jonathan, put on your glasses. Got it. All right, because I can barely see shit. I'll uh, I'll follow Carlton just so he's not out of the range of Pass Without Trace. I'm and gonna pick up a pebble from the Pebble Beach Are we and sneaking? put light on it. Uh, if you'd like to sneak, I think that would be wise, wouldn't it? Yeah, we'll sneak. Yeah, I mean, we got Pass Without Trace going on. Let's do some sneaking. I like to sneak. I would sneak, like sneak, sneak. stealth checks from everybody. And Jonathan, with your um, bonus, which is a plus ten, by the way. Are you? So you said you're casting light on a pebble. Yeah, I'm casting on a pebble, and then I'm holding it in my hand. So you're kind of muffling it for the moment? Yeah, okay. for the moment. All right, give me, everybody, give me stealth check. Everybody, oh, give me no. stealth check. So I need- Don't forget your oh, plus I need, 10. And, yeah, uh, I know, I know. So I guess I will ask about Bucks. Is he coming with, or is he staying outside? He's staying outside. Okay. So he will he will take a moment and kind of perch on the top of the bluff where this hole is. So I guess I need stealth checks from everybody, except- the seagull. Uh, since I'm on, I guess it's we when I'm on Coco Snoot, we do both of us, right? Yeah, because it's basically because stealth includes not just sight but hearing. Uh, so do you make noise? Can you be seen? That kind of thing. And and even though you're riding Coco Snoot, one both of you could make noise. So Jonathan, what did you roll? Jonathan the Magimuscular gets a fifteen. Carlton. Uh, after pass without trace, that's a thirty-one. Bernie and Coco Snoot. Bernie got a 23, and Coco Snoot got a 29. And Travancore and Shadow. Travancore got a 37, Shadow got a 28. Alright. You start to creep, and are you going slowly as you go down into this cave? Yeah, Yeah, I want to go slow and just keep my eye out for anything that looks kind of off about the cave, like anything on the walls, any like little offshoots, or like Maybe that stalactite looks a little weird or something looks slimy, like just anything out of the ordinary. Sure. So you enter the first 30 feet of this cavern, which is super wide, but tall enough for all of you to walk without issue. You take that first left hand turn and you can see now that the the cavern continues at a rather steep grade. This is like a 25, 30 degrees down continues uh, for another 70, 80 feet, and then seems to take just out of your dark vision another turn. As you're walking along, it for the moment seems like a, a shapeless cavern, just like a bored hole that's longer than it is taller through the dirt, leading deep down. As you get closer to where the next turn is, uh, you all do notice that the ceiling starts to rise a little bit and it starts to basically reform instead of it being this really long thin oval it's starting to turn into something more naturally formed as it were um and jonathan i need you to roll a wisdom saving throw all right uh i send one last message to guldu bucks uh saying goodbye guldu bucks <laughs> oh no I don't think this is how she kills us. Wisdom, wisdom, wisdom. You did fine. 22. Okay. Bucks freaks out at this as you're on the edge of that moment. And you can sense that he is like, wait, what? And dives in after you. Just as you feel something reach out into your mind. Guys, 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 guys. Jonathan the Magimuscular, his, bra- his brain muscle is being massaged. 
Wait. And you manage to resist it, but it, like your stomach is doing flips. Is this like when someone picks up when you're on the party line? No, this wasn't telepathic. You don't know exactly. You know something something reached out and was grabbing at you, but this wasn't this wasn't a message. And I need everyone to roll a perception check. Jonathan the Magimuscular is disturbed by this. No shit, Sherlock. Did we feel it too? Because we're connected no. to his Okay. But I was kind of wondering how some of those things worked. No, I assume that this is this is that the telepathic bond is like you're speaking to each other, you're just in your head. You don't feel what other people are feeling. You don't sense you can't see through their eyes. It's literally speaking in your head. So no. What did Jonathan would you get in your perception check? Seventeen. And Travancore? Fifteen. And Bernie? Twelve. And Carlton? Um, a whopping eight. Okay. Travancore and Jonathan. Jonathan, you have this moment and you're like, oh, ooh, something. That's, ooh, I don't know what happened. And everybody kind of pauses and takes a look around. And you notice in the the ground that is still, it's not soft soil. It's hard packed soil while the walls have turned into more solid stone. You notice something glimmering in the ground maybe like 20 feet ahead of you you're you're at the the place where the tunnel is going to turn again and it's like right there right in front of you the both of you notice it huh okay jonathan the magimuscular casts mage hand and goes to poke it you poke it and it kind of pokes out of the dirt looks like a platinum piece jonathan the magimuscular is a little disturbed by random treasure in caves then this used to be... Uh, and, he, and he says, um, Jonathan the Magimuscular observes a platinum piece sitting in the... Travancore, you see it too. You watch his, his mage hand go and poke it and it comes out and you see a little platinum piece. Uh, and the both of you, as you see this, you're like, well, you were hoping for a dragon's hoard and who knows if there's any left of it, but maybe this was a piece of it? Jonathan the Magimuscular feels like that's not going anywhere. We're just going to leave it. He like, the mage hand puts it down, down and then just pats it. Okay. Puts a little bit of dirt back on top of it. Yeah, just like <laughs> the rest of you <laughs> see this happening as he's pulled it out. Travancore initially thinks, "Well, what's the harm?" And then he sees Jonathan's hand patting it away. And he's like, "Okay, maybe, maybe that stays where it is. Uh, eh, who knows? I mean, we can always get it on the way back." Travancore is like a cursed dragon's horde, a thing. Well, yeah. Travancore, you would know that there's cursed weapons and cursed armor and cursed stuff in a dragon's horde. You haven't heard of an entire horde being cursed, but I mean, you have firsthand experience of there being cursed items yeah. in a horde. Yeah, we have experienced cursed items in a dragon horde, but the whole thing has not been a good experience. The other thing is, I don't have to put it in my butt. We have a bag of holding. We could put it in an extra planar dimension for later. Or no we can one, leave it and get it no on one, our way out. I no like one was suggesting on we put it in your butt. You kind of <laughs> volunteered that. And I may or I may don't... not have thought about it and then remembered that I had a bag of holding. Uh, but, okay, so hold on, hold on. So Jonathan the Magimuscular wants to address. Old habits die that, hard. That, that's where you first went. I, yeah. Old habits as, die hard. As you are all having this discussion about what to do about this possible platinum piece in Carlton's butt, Carlton, I need you to roll a wisdom saving throw. I would happily do that. I just love that we're arguing of like and yelling at each other, but like our characters are literally just standing there silent as we're yelling at each other. I feel like we're all staring really intently at this platinum piece, having a very big argument in our minds. We're just like, there's no, I'm not even gesticulating. We're just like, ooh, uh, that's gonna be an eleven. <sighs> okay, 
you're all having this conversation in your mind, uh, you know, telepathically to each other. And then Carlton disappears. What? Uh-oh. Uh, and Jonathan, what is the range on Rary's telepathic bond? I want to say planar, but... Uh, Why don't you look, look that up? Yeah, I'm looking. Because that's very important right now. Is Carlton physically still next to us? You do not see Carlton anymore. He is... The communication is possible over any distance, though it can't extend to other planes of existence. Good. Okay. Carlton, you're no longer with your friends. Okay. Guys, guys, are you there? into existence in a very large cavern that doesn't look at all familiar. Uh Uh-huh. At your feet is a giant pile of gold and platinum and silver and items and all sorts of stuff. And as you're looking down at this and you're in your head telling your friends, guys, 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 you hear another voice in your head that isn't any of your friends. And it says, Tasty morsel. Welcome home. And that's where we'll stop. <laughs> Fuck! No! And next time when we get together, Fuck! we'll pick up right there. Fuck! <laughs> Let me give you some experience for that fun time for uh, once again proving, and, and I'll just I'll just say this one thing because it was beautiful. Uh, the joke in the D and D community that the the hardest thing to deal with in D and D are doors, and I would like to say. That tradition continues. That tradition continues. And it makes me so happy. Look, Bernie wasn't about to go in blind. I'm not saying anything. Listen, listen, you beat the door. I'm not saying. You beat beat a ninth level door. You beat a ninth level door spell, Lauren. I know. I'm just saying that's the most fun I have is putting doors in front of you and watching you all talk about doors so for door funness and all of the looking around to make sure things were going on i'm going to give you a total of 3500 experience to split between the four of you and the next time we get together we will pick up wherever carlton may be i feel like bernie was back there and her immediate reaction given all the people who take carlton or try to was just like oh hell no thanks for listening to our adventure if you've enjoyed our show, visit us at DungeonDrunks.com for links to all of our social media, pictures and bio of our cast, a full list of credits, and more. We'd appreciate it if you left us a review, and we would love it if you come support us on Patreon. Visit Patreon.com slash DungeonDrunks to sign up. Thanks again, and we'll see you next encounter. We appreciate all of our patrons and extend a special thanks to our Artifact and Wondrous Tier patrons. Thank you, Megan, Linnea Boyev, Lori, aka Calamity Jane, and Hunted Shadows, LLC.